Happy New Year, Charleston basketball fans. Thank you for tuning into the Holy City Hoops podcast. Hope everyone enjoyed the holidays, the vibes going into 2023. They are immaculate. Huge week for the Cougars just wrapped up. They kicked off conference play with a sellout game and a rout of Hampton. And then the big one, an overtime victory at Towson, which will have huge ramifications for CAA standings, AP Top 25 voting, and much more. Here to break it all down is our good pal Harrison Bown. He was at the Hampton game. I was at the Towson game. Together, we will share our thoughts on both contests, and then we'll get into the AP poll, Ante Berzovich making his case for player of the week, the road ahead, which includes two nationally televised games and a big rivalry game in Wilmington, but we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. So much to get to, so much to be excited about. If you're hopping on the Charleston basketball bandwagon, make sure you're a subscriber to this podcast, Spotify, Apple, wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Follow Holy City Hoops on Twitter and Instagram. Let's get into today's show. All right, Harrison Bown is back on the podcast after a long layoff. Harrison, Happy New Year to you. Any New Year's resolutions? Uh, none uh, right off the bat. I think the wife and I are going to sit down later today and, and write a couple down, but um, none that I've got uh, so far. I think I'm just going with the generic workout more frequently. You know, I got a kid now, so like the dad bods creeping in and it's got to get back in the gym on the court a little bit, get some cardio in, you know. That's always a safe bet. I'm sure that that I'm, I'm sure that'll make the list for me as well. Yeah, we'll go with that. But dude, it was a great weekend for a lot of sports teams. I know you're excited about the college football playoffs, but we got to talk about our Cougs. I was lucky enough to be in Baltimore for that game. It was a wild atmosphere. You watch it on TV, so I want to know what your perspective was. I think the rank Charleston movement is at a fever pitch at this point. Like We can get into that after we talk about the Towson game, but I don't see how Charleston doesn't move up one spot after this pair of wins uh, this week. So let's get into it, man. We're going to go chronologically because there is some stuff in that Hampton game that I think kind of leads into the Towson game. So Hampton, we don't have to spend too much time on this. You were at the game, sellout game, by the way. Pretty good job by the marketing department to get a sellout game for a not-so-great opponent. Uh, Atmosphere was pretty solid from what it looked like on TV. Yeah, it was incredible. I, I was kind of shocked when I walked in. I was not expecting it to be that type of a crowd, just from my experience. It was, you know, when the students weren't there and it was kind of the end of break, it always kind of felt like the crowd was lacking and people would come in a little bit late from, you know, either being shopping or dinner on King Street or whatever it is. And um, I mean, it was an incredible crowd. I probably talked to 10 or 15 people at the game were just like, look at this crowd. Like, this is awesome and it it was obviously a sellout like you said but it also like people were loud i mean for a a blowout game against uh like you said not so good opponent the crowd was like very into the game and cheering and standing and loud like it wasn't just like people in the stands kind of you know being dead just to catch game after christmas like people were into the game and i mean it, it was a lot of fun at one point i looked over to my wife and i was just like i mean this is awesome like if we can sustain this type of crowd for a game like this it's i mean imagine when the students are back and you keep rolling and potentially get into the top 25 like you said i mean it, it could be a uh, a really fun atmosphere down the stretch in conference play i agree i mean if that's the new baseline that's a high bar to clear so yeah props to everybody seems like the community is starting to take notice and people are like okay i want to catch this team in action and on the court nice to not be let down 
right? <laughs> There's been some times in years past where Charleston's a heavy favorite and ends up being like a one or two possession game late. Charleston was favored in this game by, I think, 21 points. Mm-hmm. And I know people like myself were like, well, that's, <laughs> you know, first conference game. I mean, this is like, you know, that's 20 points is a little ridiculous. Charleston ends up winning by 28, and they were up 30 for a lot of the time. You and I were texting. I think they were just kind of messing around at the end of the game. Yeah. We had like <laughs> Chuck Lampton shoot a three. We had Babakar Fai attempt a three. We're like, are, are we just trying to find creative ways to, to score? Um, the game was closed for about five minutes early, I think until the first media timeout. And then Charleston, we, we talked about this a little bit, just looked like they had more talent up and down the roster than Hampton. Hampton was like, hey, we'll just shoot a million threes and hope for the best, and we'll just play iso ball and see what happens. And it worked for a little while, and then Charleston just shot the absolute you-know-what out of the ball in the first half. They were 20 for 27 from the floor, 8 for 12 from 3, and 8 for 10 from the free throw line. And when you shoot like that, you're going to build a huge lead. And even though they went cold in the second half, this was really a, a no contest. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, you could you could tell the uh, the talent disparity on the court. But also, it was like after that first media timeout, it, I don't know what Coach said in the, in the huddle or whatever, but it's like we kind of came out and just kind of put the the foot on the gas and just said, all right, guys, like let's let's quit toying with these guys put them away early, get this game over with. And it felt like for a stretch from like that under 12 to halftime and then the, those first four minutes of the second half that we were just shooting lights out, executing, getting up and down the floor quickly and just kind of put them away. And, and Hampton obviously just decided to start jacking threes and kind of going ISO ball. And, and it was uh, – I think you summarized it perfectly. It really felt like, especially in the second half, that we were just toying with them at that point. They didn't have anybody who could match up with Ante Berzovic. He has 15 points in just 14 minutes of play in this game. Pat Robinson has a season-high 19 points after what was a pretty quiet game against Coastal yeah. for him. Both those guys we're going to talk about more in the Towson game. Uh, but a very Pat Kelsey-like win. Everybody chipped in. Maybe the most even scoring distribution of the season. Six players scored 10 or more points. And then Ben Burnham had nine and was you know pretty effective. Jalen Scott was scoreless in this game, but he did have seven rebounds and five assists. I know Pat Kelsey was kind of talking up his command of the game in this one and how he was able to contribute without scoring. Raekwon Horton did some stuff. He had 12 points and six boards. So you can poke some holes in in some of this stuff, like the the second half kind of dry spell. But overall, I mean, this is taking care of business in your first conference game. Yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, there was a a small little two or three minute segment in the second half where I was kind of like, okay, are we going to let them back into this? Like you said, we took some sloppy shots. We kind of went a little bit cold. And then again, they kind of, even though they're still toying with them, it felt like, and you got Lampton out there shooting a three, they still kind of felt like they're like, okay, like let's get this game back under control a little bit. And I don't think it ever even got under 20 in the second half. And then I, I was, I'm with you. It's a conference home opener for not so good team i didn't expect us to cover but to go out there and win by almost 30 points i mean walk-ons got in yeah for a solid two minutes too so i mean that that was a pretty impressive performance um in my opinion to just come out and play the way we did and have the, the variety of scores and you know we had guys like barnum coming off and had a great game with nine and i know like you said coach kelsey mentioned in the post game how well jill and scott played and he really did i mean it felt like he was between him and larson felt like they both kind of controlled the game the entire time even though he didn't score we had tv teddy 
make an appearance in this one, you know, driving in from down the street to to referee this one. And he was quiet in the first half. You know, he wasn't yeah, he, he wasn't his animated he, self. And then he just he couldn't got his resist. Technicals in though. <laughs> he couldn't resist. Uh, he teed up Hampton. He, someone got ejected, right? Did he give two tees to to someone? I believe I believe so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure one of the guys dead. He wasn't down with that bull crap that was happening under the basket. <laughs> they were quick too. I mean, I I didn't hear what they said, um, but it was like I mean, it wasn't it was it was classic TV Ted like split second technical. You're out. Like so yeah, little harsh, but you know. He's got to, yeah. even if the broadcast is on Flow Sports, he's got to, you know, be the center of attention, TV Teddy. Yeah. You know, when it's when it's a blowout game, you got to give the fans something to cheer about and be interested in and, and keep the interest, in, and Ted was just doing yeah. us a favor. Yeah, doing us a solid. Uh, nobody played more than 25 minutes in this game, which I think was huge with the quick turnaround before Towson. Yeah. Charleston was only going to have one full day of rest. They played Thursday night, Friday off, and then played Saturday morning. So to... Get the blowout win, get the walk-ons in, limit everybody's minutes, but kind of get out of that funk from Christmas layover, I think was pretty huge. So that I kind of found their rhythm yeah. again and then got subbed out, which was kind of the ideal setup for that Towson game. Uh, no, it, it, that was, you could not write a better conference opener, post-Christmas break, you know, game than what that was right there. You, you beat a, a bad team how you should get your starters out, get them some rest, quick turnaround and go up to Towson. So that, to me, that Hampton game went, it couldn't have gone any better for yep. us. All right. So that leads into the game that's been circled for a long time. Towson, unanimous preseason favorite in the CAA. Three out of the five preseason all CAA dudes are on this team in Holden, Timberlake, and Thompson. Towson has struggled. They had lost four straight going into this game. Obviously, they're missing their point guard, Jason Gibson, but... You know, they had nine days to prep for this game. It's their first conference game. They're playing at home. Charleston, quick layover and travel. You know, you know, we wonder what's going to happen. And this is a, a statement win, plain and simple. Charleston goes up, beats the champs at their place. I know it took overtime, but this game was an absolute war. You know, I was five rows up from the Charleston bench, and it was like any other Towson game. It was chippy. Guys were getting scratched. Guys were getting grabbed and slapped physicality was there from the jump you know I think the the story of this game though is I wondered how the Charleston front court was going to hold up against that physicality with Towson being crazy about the offensive rebounding and being a really good defensive team Ante Berzovich was up to the task he had his hands full with Thompson but he held his own he got in some foul trouble a couple times but 22 points 12 rebounds for Ante I think he should be the player of the week in the CAA after these two games they love giving it to someone who has a 2-0 and week, and Ante, Ante was awesome in this game, uh, and I thought really carried yeah. the Cougars. No, he, he was really, really impressive. It kind of, um, obviously, I didn't see him play at his Division two school before he came to CFC, but this was kind of the player that we were pitched and that we read about on all the scouting reports was this guy that's basically a walking double-double, can shoot, can rebound. And I think this week kind of truly showed his potential and just how skilled he is. I mean, he had a big three early in the game. We went on that 11-0 run, battling the guys inside. Towson's always an extremely physical team. It's just the way Pat Scary has put together his program. And like I texted you yesterday, I mean, it always feels like when we play Towson, it's this chippy back and forth, people shoving. There's always a technical or something weird that happens. And so for us to go up there, which looked like a really good crowd on TV. I know you were there. L- lower like lower bowl a- was full. 
looks like they had a good crowd. It's a team that's picked to win the league. And for us to go up there and get a win, to me, kind of just shows people we are for real. You know, I know some people's hold back on us has been that we've played a lot of home games and a lot of quote unquote neutral court being at home for the Charleston Classic. And so to me, we needed a game where we went on the road against a good opponent into their place and battled them and got a gritty win. And I was just so impressed with how we started the game going on the 11 at run. We withstood their runs throughout the game. You knew at some point they were going to make some shots and, and uh, make a run. They're just too good not to, especially with potentially three all-conference players in the starting lineup. Um, and so I, that, that game was probably, outside of Virginia Tech, the most impressive win I've seen from CFC this year. Yeah, it's probably their toughest opponent since the Charleston Classic Finals. I, I agree with that. Yeah, and Towson had their back against the wall. They're not trying to lose five straight. They're not trying to start the conference season 0-1. Yep. They're playing at home. I thought the refs let them get away with the stuff they want to get away with, right? Like, they weren't getting whistled. Thompson has had a tendency in other games to, you know, pick up two early fouls and kind of take himself out of the game early. They made three-pointers, especially in the second half, which they needed to do. I thought, you know, whoever won the three-point disparity was probably going to be successful because we know Charleston leans on that so heavily. Yeah. Towson does not. So if you can add that to Towson's like physical game, then that gives them a really a big advantage. But just uh, to go back to, to Berzovich, uh, and you talked about the player we were getting coming in. I did think it was ironic that the D2 player of the year plays for Towson, Siku uh, yeah. Sila, and our two D2 incoming transfers, Robinson and Berzovich, look like the two best players on the court. Yeah. You know, maybe Timberlake is, you know, two out of the top three, we'll say. Yeah. Um, I was worried that Pat Robinson's kind of bully ball wasn't going to work against a team like this. It can work against Hampton, who's just got some kind of long, lanky guys, but Towson's got some some beef under the basket. So I was worried about yeah. Robinson being able to get away with the stuff that he normally does. Uh, but the two, he went two for two from behind the arc, which was huge. And he still got his uh, his bully ball baskets and hit the clutch free throws to, to win the game. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it It was really impressive, like you said, to see him be able to play against a really physical team um, in Towson, a team that's favored, a team with some very experienced guards. Um, and like Ante, I mean, he, he, I thought he was the best player on the court yesterday, the way he was playing, the way he battled inside. We've seen him be able to hit threes. We've seen him, you know, make some really good passes. But this game kind of felt like he showed a different side of, of his game, being able to really battle some tough big men inside, come up with some big boards, hit some big shots and just kind of give us another aspect of his game. But that was, it was just a really impressive performance from, from top to bottom, especially, I mean, like you're saying, I mean, uh, we obviously shot the ball pretty well and came up with some big threes. They hit some big threes late, but we had like 23, 24 turnovers. I mean, to, to go on the road and win and you turn the ball over that many times is really impressive. Yeah. The turnovers, especially late were, were rough. Uh, Scott had some, Larson had some, so that's your two main ball handlers. I thought off those turnovers, the transition defense wasn't very good either. I mean, we saw Towson leak out a couple times and, and get easy buckets. Um, we saw a few times where Charleston was in transition and would either kind of like pull the ball back out, which was frustrating. Um, luckily, you guys have guys like Robinson who weren't afraid to you know mix it up under the basket. But yeah, Charleston responded to every run Towson made, and that's huge. You know, they built that early lead off the hot shooting. Again, we knew Towson was going to push back, but I thought guys like Burnham and Larson and Robinson hit huge threes to kind of shift the momentum back. You could hear, you know, the crowd, the wind sucked out of it when they would hit those. And and rain, too. I mean, it felt like rain's, I know he didn't have the best game, but I felt like his threes were some of the 
three biggest shots of the game where just like you had to have them and a great play there at the end of the game uh, when he hit that three, I guess it was to take the lead late. I mean, that was just an incredible, incredible play, great stream by Monte. And yeah, I mean, like you said, we just, we battled the way a team that has conference championship and top 25 aspirations should play. We hit big shots, we withstood runs and we just never, never quit. I mean, obviously we had a lead of, 10 or 11 points a couple of times in the game. You'd love to see us extend on that, but that's tough when you're on the road at the the conference favorite, you, you'll take any win you can get. Yeah. And to go back to rain, he struggled most of the game. He was like short on every shot. I don't know if it was tired legs. He missed two out of three free throws, which is very uncharacteristic. I thought it was automatic when he went up there, when he got fouled on the three, but yeah, he hits the huge three with under 30 seconds to play to give Charleston the lead back. He hits a big three in overtime. And then the last play of the game after uh, Towson misses the potential game-tying shot, Thompson got the offensive rebound and Rain stripped him. Yeah. So that was a huge, huge play. I mean, if Thompson gets that put back, we're probably talking about double OT, if not you know, yeah. a Towson win. So, yeah, Rain, way to uh, you know keep the shooter's mindset and, and keep <laughs> shooting. And, yeah, uh, needed, every, needed every shot. You know, and credit where credit is due, I think this guy is probably um, – you know, we've ragged on him a little bit. I thought Chuck Lampton put in four pretty solid minutes. Had to play defense on Thompson when Berzovich picked up, I think, his third foul. Yeah. Got the stop. He scored a bat, a pretty tough uh, basket inside. I think he picked up a, a foul or, or maybe had a turnover. But yeah. uh, I thought his minutes that he was kind of forced into in that Hampton game because we rested a lot of the, the rotation, He you know, he got his legs under him and it put in four solid minutes. No, I completely agree. I had it written down right here. Lampton, big minutes. Um, he had, I think it was a, a series of like, I think the turnover was in there too, but it was like block, turnover, layup, assist. Um, mm-hmm. All within like a two, three minute span. And um, I think one of the assists was actually two, maybe a Larson or Rain three. But it he he had some huge minutes. And that's kind of what we've been hoping to see out of him, right? I mean, ever since the lineup's kind of changed and we've seen Ante take this big step forward, it's like, well, if Big Chuck can come in there and give you, you know, five, six, seven minutes a game of just really solid defense and assist, good screen, good rebounding, I mean, that's a, a huge key uh, to have down the stretch, especially as big and long as he is. We're going to need that going into conference play. Absolutely. And um... – to be a little bit critical, I'd still want to see some more aggression out of Jalen Scott. I heard I heard from others that on the broadcast, I guess the Towson team was kind of ragging on Scott and talking about how Towson was playing five on four. Go scoreless in that Hampton game. He was essentially scoreless in this one until yeah. I think OT had a chance to put two free throws on the board late, missed the front end of that. I know he wants to let the game kind of come to him and get other guys involved and just play defense, but want to see a little bit more scoring aggression out of him he had the the take he did have was nice I think he's got to take that kind of quasi spin move back down out of his game he's starting to get stripped on that every single time like they either pull the chair out or the ball is too exposed and someone grabs it but you look like you were about to say something you got a take on that well, I was just going to say, I totally agree. I mean, we, and we've seen that. I can't forget which game it was earlier in the year. It might have been one of the Charleston class games where we saw him really attacking the basket and just straight line driving. And that's kind of what... Yeah, early, from like your, first uh, game of the season, he was playing like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I remember texting you and a couple other people, like the first couple of games, I was like, man, I love this guy's game. Like, it's just head yeah. down, get to the rim and, and finish. And um, we've got so many good shooters with the ability to kind of spread the floor with four shooters on the court that 
you know, the lane should be there for him to drive. And I'm with you. I, I think sometimes he gets stuck in that like back down spin move thing instead of just, man, put your head down and get to the rim. You know, if somebody yeah. cuts you off kick, if not go up, but I agree. I'd love to see him be a little more aggressive. I mean, I think he only had like one or two shots yesterday, man. I know he made that one drive. He was, he was one for one. one. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> I can't think of another shot he'd take. Obviously he didn't, um, obviously he gets, you know, three rebounds, um, and an assist, but, I think if we can see him be a little more aggressive because we do have shooters and in, in Larson and rain and Bolin and then Ante, that could be a, a huge asset uh, to have with him and Pat Robinson being able to attack the rim the way they've shown the ability to. Should we talk about the shove? Yeah. I, so on TV, it was kind of like a, you couldn't see the whole thing. So I was seeing all these like replays on, on Twitter, but it was just like a buzz. I mean, it looked like he just walked straight into the huddle on purpose, obviously trying to do exactly what I guess he did, hoping we could get a technical or whatever. But what, what did you see being yeah. alive? Yeah. So I, I was on my phone looking at something when he made his way over, but I saw him get shoved and fall. And it was obviously a flop. Like what I saw from Ante was like a, Hey, give us some space. Yeah. Kind of kind of nudge. I put shove in like very much air quotes. But it's like, hey, get like give us some give us some room. And then Timber like like actually got sniped in the head. Um <laughs> but the first thing I thought was like, what's he doing over here? Like yeah. his team's huddling up on the other side of the court. What's he doing over here? And I think that's why the refs didn't give out a technical or a double tech, because yeah. I think that is a little bit of like instigating yeah. contact from Timberlake. And yeah, it was late. It was, that was, what, with 2.5 seconds to go when it was Charleston Ball? Yeah. I know Scary was getting pretty pissed about kind of the impromptu huddles that Kelsey was having. Like, you know, when they're reviewing something or they're reviewing time, Kelsey was huddling guys up and using it as like a, a de facto timeout. Yeah. And Scary was on the refs about that. But then Scary was like, okay, if they're not going to like stop him, then I'm going to get the board out and, and yeah. draw something up. Um. So I think... Scary was probably pissed about that, and I don't know if Timberlake was acting on his own or you know trying to mix something up on his own or or what. But it was yeah. just a weird weird sequence. I mean, I'm yeah. glad that didn't decide the game. No, I I think the refs made the right call. Um, obviously I'm biased in that, but I think in general for basketball they made the right call. Like you know, kind of don't tee anybody up. It looked like it was more instigating than anything. But it's just a all the replays I saw and the people tweeting out videos is just a bizarre bizarre look but kind of like what i texted you yesterday i mean it feels like ever since we played towson i want to say it was scary as maybe second year and they it was the year they like flipped everything around and i think they won like two right. games the first year and then he wins like 20 games the next or whatever and um it feels like it's just been a chippy game and towson's a very physical team that's how he plays um but it just feels like every time we play them there's something like that that happens and it just gets yeah. chippy and they're shoving and there's a late technical or whatever there's just always something when we play them yeah and there was some chirping back and forth cam holden and raekwon horton were going at it a lot timberlake obviously bolin was <laughs> chirping at everybody yeah. like up and down <laughs> the the court uh he had some pretty good three-point celebrations in this one so he's definitely getting under some people's skin uh, but that's just you know conference basketball two top teams in the league i'm i'm here for it yeah, well, and like I said to you yesterday, I don't think the CAA gets enough credit because a lot of us aren't traditional rivals. We've obviously not been in the league as long as some of these other teams, and we're kind of the the new kid on the block from down south. But, I mean, it feels like every game in conference play, and I know it's conference play, it's important, but it feels like it, it is really chippy. It is like we're an old, you know, rivalry just because yeah. 
everybody I feel like plays pretty physical and obviously we've had a lot of success early on in our tenure in the CAA. Um, but it's, it's fun. I mean, I'm with you. It's, it's, it's what makes conference basketball. It's what makes this time of year. Great. Is you get these games like this, they're just absolute battles. And there was a ton of people I saw on Twitter and TV yesterday talking about Towson and Charleston being one of the kind of premier games of the day. And so yeah. I think that's awesome that not only CFC, but the conference in general is able to get some notoriety and people are starting to take notice. Yeah, I think it's because of the parity in the league the last 10 years. Like, there's no one dominant team that kind of rips away the rivalry from other teams. Like, yeah. Towson's had good years. UNCW's had good years. Hofstra, Charleston. Like, everyone's got history with, with one another, and there's no team that's kind of run away with the league ever. So, yeah, yeah I think that just kind of helps that that rivalry kind of bubble up to the surface. And we saw, I saw it boil over with the, uh, the shove. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I'm glad... Glad nothing really came out of it. And, you know, hey, if Thompson goes two for two at the line, we're yeah. this is a totally different conversation today. Yeah. Uh, it was it was that close. Um, but let's talk about what this means for Charleston moving forward. Obviously, it's another it's a I go off Ken Palm. I don't know what the quads are for like net, but for Ken Palm, it's another like tier B win. Uh, so Charleston, I think, has three of those now with Tech, Kent State and now Towson. They have one tier a game that was the loss to unc i wanted to see what the chatter was about you know charleston's at large hopes and charleston's potential to jump into the ap top 25 a lot of people were you know giving charleston their flowers i thought it was interesting john rothstein said something to the effect of like cfc is an at large for right now but their margin for error is razor thin and if charleston's margin for error is razor thin what is the path forward for mid-majors and what is the path forward for teams with Charleston's resume? Because yeah. you go up on one day of rest, you beat the conference favorites, unanimous conference favorites at their place. I know people want to bring in like these theoreticals of like, oh, well, if UNC went to Towson, they probably would have won. They should be in the top 25. But like at what point does like the results on the court matter? Like a win matters. We could, if, if it's all theoretical about like who would or wouldn't or what should the margin of victory be, for Charleston this game versus what it actually was like why even play the games like just go off like like cut it off right now and do selection Sunday now based on yeah. Ken Palm rankings yeah. so it's like frustrating conversation for me um or you know just thought process uh what, what are your thoughts no I agree it's that's a conversation I had with a buddy of mine yesterday and I said you know I still I I, I and I referenced Rothstein's tweet I still think it comes down to three days in March because to me like it is unfortunate that our margin is like razor thin of what, you know, to be an at large. And we've have had a really great schedule this year. We've beaten some really good teams. I mean, what was it? Five straight teams that we beat that were NCAA tournament teams the year before to start the season. Um, you go and you win the Charleston classic, but I think it just takes, it takes time. And it takes other teams being good. I think that's, what's so nice about UNCW Obviously, I want to beat UNCW, but it's nice that they're having the year that they're having. And obviously, we'll settle that in the court here in, what, a week and a half. Um, but if they can continue the upward trajectory and you can have a Towson do well, at Hofstra and some of these other schools, and get into a point where it's late in the year and you've got three or four 20-win teams all battling for first place in the conference, I think it does help our case of showing that the CA is better than what maybe think. Um, what, what people think. And I kind of saw this exact scenario happen two or three years ago in the SOCON where it was like Furman, UNCG, right. ETSU, 
And it was like, why are we not ranking Furman? I think they beat a big ACC school. And it was like, why are they not getting ranked? Like, they're really good. And then they don't win their conference. They don't get in that large bid. They're playing in the NIT. And it's unfortunate, like you said, that you have all these theoreticals. And instead of just saying, you know, wow, like College of Charleston went on the road to Towson on a day of rest post-Christmas break Thir- and found thir- a way to win 13 wins in a row. Yeah. I no mean, bad losses. What do you, what else do you want from them? <laughs> exactly. And that, and that's kind of what I've said to people when we've talked about why is CFC not ranked and rank us. And I've been like, it's not at this point, it's not so much what we do. Obviously you have to win, but to me it's more of, we needed a UNC or a Mississippi state to lose that were top 25. Like a lot of those top 25 teams that they've pegged as the top 25 teams haven't really lost games. You know, UNC obviously lost like three or four straight and, you know, goes on two game win streak and they're right back in the top 25. And yes, those, those two wins, they looked good, but they also lost four straight where they didn't look that great. Like, did they really deserve to leapfrog CFC? You know, I, I personally think we're a top 25 team. I would love our chances on a neutral floor or even at their place to play most of these top 25 teams and battle them closely. Obviously we won't beat yeah. all of them, but I would love our chances against all these other teams. I mean, that's the type of team I think we have this year. So I fully expect us to be top 25 uh, come this afternoon or tomorrow um, when the rankings get released. I think there's been enough teams ahead of us that have lost, but I'm with you. The the razor thin margin of error kind of bugs me because it's like, well, what if we go 16 and two in conference and lose in the championship? Are you saying we we don't deserve an at-large bid? Like that's a little bizarre, you know? Yeah the life of a mid-major and i'm sure the committee at the end of the day is going to be like oh we'll take this big 12 team that went 15 and 16 in conference because they they would have run through the caa well it's like you have to you have to play the games yeah that's all i keep coming back to no Um, i I agree you should be rewarded you should be rewarded for winning games i don't care how you win i don't care the really the margin of victory obviously if you beat a ton of bad teams by one point that's saying something but the way that we've played and the way that we've beat teams like we deserve to be top 25 and when that time comes to look at our resume, obviously we'll see how conference play goes, but if it continues on the trend, it looks like even if we drop a game or two or three in conference to me, as long as we, I think make the conference championship or, you know, lose the semifinal, in like a heartbreaker fashion to me, we deserve a legitimate look at it over a, like you said, you know, a 15 and 15 Syracuse team or something. Yeah. Yeah. What made it real for me was on Ken Palm, we blow out a bad team. We don't move up at all on Ken Palm. And then we narrowly beat a good team. So I suppose quality team and don't move up at all. So it's yeah. like, well, what do you want? Like, yeah. <laughs> we're trying. Well, and that's where the analytics like just get a little wonky is it's like the analytics are important. They play a role, but at the same time, a win is a win in my book. Like you, you, like you find yeah. ways to win games. You're going to have tough games on the road. You're going to have tough games at home you find a way to win. Like you said, we, we beat a team. We we're supposed to beat by 20 by 28 and you're doing what you're supposed to, like you should be rewarded for that. But I do think yeah. we'll be top 25. And um, the great thing is, is that conference plays ahead of us. And so we control our own destiny and have a chance to prove that we're, you know, deserving of I me. Mean, I think if you rattle off 20 straight wins, it's hard for the committee to look past something like that. Yeah. I think this is Charleston's best chance to get in since like the old dominion game. Uh, I think was the last time I felt this good just because of where they are in terms of getting votes, what happened at the bottom of the top 25, especially with like UNC losing. 
and beating a quality opponent on the road, which is what people were waiting for. So hopefully it happens. If not, I know the coaching staff and the administration is just focused on winning the next game. So if you're top 25, you have to win the next game. If you're not top 25, you have to win the next game. So it doesn't really matter. And we've got two tough ones, three tough ones really coming up over the next week and a half. Yes. Yeah, (laughs) let's go there. So next two games, the two games this week for Charleston, both games are going to be nationally televised. Uh, on Wednesday, they go to NCA&T for NCA&T's first home CAA game. Going to be a big target on Charleston's back. NCA&T is coming off their first CAA win, which was a buzzer beater tip-in at Hofstra, which is a great win for NCA&T. They seem to be kind of putting it together. And then also uh, later in the week on Saturday, Charleston hosts the champs. Delaware is coming down to TD Arena for another nationally televised game on CBS Sports Network. Delaware is not the team they were last year, but Jair Davis and Jameer Nelson Jr. are both really solid. So, And then lurking is that UNCW game, which if Charleston doesn't get into the top 25, I'm sure it's because they moved the goalposts and we're like, you have to beat <laughs> yeah. UNCW, which it looks like the next best team in the uh, in the league. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on the upcoming schedule? Yeah, I mean, A&T, obviously with a huge win up at Hofstra, and Hofstra's kind of kind of figure out a little bit better defensive basketball i think but they're a very solid team but a and t is a, a tough matchup i mean they've been to a couple of tournaments in the last five or six years um they always seem to play people tough it's you know their kind of chance to prove they belong in the caa and it's i think it's probably their only nationally televised home game i yeah. would imagine and it's that you know like when when you get into a new conference there's always this feeling of like well do they belong and i know some people kind of you know rolled their eyes at a and t or like well why couldn't we get like a uncg or something like that and so there's i mean i would expect them to have a huge chip on their shoulder and then cfc potentially to be rolling in there as a top 25 team it's going to be a huge target on their back so that's going to be a tough game um and then you get delaware and like you said they're the previous champs they know how to win uh Jameer Nelson Jr. Um, is back as a really solid player, and that's that's going to be a tough game. And then, like you said, you've got to go play UNCW, and so you're hoping that they're not looking past A&T and Delaware to UNCW yeah. and remain focused on kind of the task at hand. But, man, it's a it's the CAA gauntlet that we always talk about, um, and that's why I think that this is a great opportunity. If you can rattle off a couple wins, it just kind of further proves your point of like, hey, like, Ranking is just a ranking, you know, we've got to win games. Yeah, but we're a good team. You know, I mean, we just beat three really good conference opponents. And so this is a this is a huge stretch. And if you can make it out unscathed, um, I think that'd be a, a, a massive, massive uh, point on Charleston's resume. Yeah, it's a brutal stretch to open CAA play for Charleston. Just happened to, to kind of land that way. Two of their first five conference games at Towson at UNCW, which are really tough environments against really solid teams. On the other side, you really get to coast in like February. So Charleston should be favored in every remaining game from here on out, except for that UNCW game. I think UNCW is a slight favorite there. Um, So yeah, got to keep the focus, not let the outside noise about rankings or win streaks get to you. Uh, You got to go on the road again, which has still been a a tough place for Charleston. They haven't had like a blowout road win yet. Uh, so you got to go to Greensboro and get that win at NCA and T and then take care of business against Delaware. Did we miss anything? Not that I can, uh, not that I can think of. Cougs are, Cougs are looking good. We're in middle of conference play. Um, yeah. 
get, get your flow sports memberships purchased if you hadn't you know if you didn't get it for christmas like everybody wished for <laughs> yeah exactly that's what everybody wanted right <laughs> exactly it's the best 30 dollars you'll ever spend all right harrison thanks for rolling through man uh enjoy the rest of your time off uh before we go back to work and end the holidays here but uh i'm feeling good about where this team is at and uh we'll see where the chips fall i am as well it's going to be a great season happy new year and go cougars go coops <laughs>